Welcome to Worship Call with Bible teacher Buzz Lobeck. Buzz is the pastor of Grace Chapel Bible Ministries located in Duncan, South Carolina. This ministry is dedicated to the verse-by-verse teaching of God's Word and discipleship programs aimed at strengthening the faith of God's people. Now here's today's message. This is the third day of the week in God's created order. Tuesday, the ninth day of January, 2024th year of our Lord. And this is another fine day in the Lord. Let us turn to our Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, thank you for this opportunity of fellowshipping in your word. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that God the Holy Spirit will open our hearts to the things we're studying this day. Pray that you make it a source of blessing and challenge as we continue to grow in grace in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. And welcome aboard. Welcome to our Tuesday. There will never be another uh, ninth day of Tuesday uh, of January 2024. So let's serve the Lord well in it. And uh we are we we are uh teaching we started out yesterday with with another group of antagonistic antag antagonists against Jesus. Uh we we speak spoke quite a bit about the Pharisees and the scribes. Um and this group is the Sadducees and as much as the the uh Pharisees are legalists the uh when it comes to the um, the Sadducees, these are liberals. These these are your religious liberals. They did not believe in the in the resurrection. They did not believe in angels. They did not believe in the spiritual world. They they were worldly and they were political opportunists. And they use liberals. It kind of reminds me of the story of a preacher told one time about in seminary up in. Um, up in Chicago, I believe, and uh, or Illinois area, and um, prominent seminary up there, and the um, the professor asked, "How many of you uh, are um, believers in the Lord Jesus Christ?" And three people didn't, or how many of you did not uh, do not believe? And three people raised their hand in there. They didn't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. They didn't believe in the resurrection. They didn't believe in this, and. Um, and one of the other students that tracked him down during the uh, af- afterwards, you know, or but one of them, you don't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? He says, no, nah, I don't believe in none of that. He says, is this, you know, he says, well, why are you even going to seminary? Because there's, and he's answered, he goes, because there's a lot of money in this God racket. So these they, these were just political opportunists. They had, uh, the, the scribes and the Pharisees had no love and no, um, no, and they were, they were not on friendly terms with these people, but together in their hatred, what, what joined these groups together was their hatred toward the lead, uh, Lord Jesus Christ. Um, the, the Sadducees brought a question about the Leverite marriage. Very important to understand the Leverite marriage, um, in the Old Testament in that perspective, and it was concerning the, uh, the property, uh, the property heir of a man who dies without having an heir to pass it on to, and, and, and per Deuteronomy 25, the it would be the brother who would to go into his uh, brother's wife and produce an heir for his brother uh, for that inheritance, and this is what these uh, Sadducees brought up, and they were they were saying, well, what if a what if a uh, man dies? 
and um, the white and the brother dies and another brother dies and um, and they're all in heaven whose wife will she be and Jesus answers that by saying he tells them first of all he 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 says you're mistaken you y'all y'all don't have understanding you you're <laughs> you're um you're misapplying um they were uh they were mistaken they were uh, uh without understanding and they did not know the power of god which means they did not know the power of god so matthew 22:30 for in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given to marriage but are like the angels in heaven, in comparison to the angels in heaven who do not marry and give them marriage. Um, as far as we know, um, angels had no corporate body. They were created. Um, they were created as one. Uh, the Lord's probably said angels, and angels were. Uh, there are no. We mentioned yesterday. There's no baby angels. There's no women angels. There's no sexual union in heaven. We know that. Um, so there's no corporate head as we have a corporate head. You see, as human beings, we, you and I, um, are born into a corporate head. We, we are under one corporate head. As a human race, we came under the corporate head of the first Adam. And then, uh, Adam died. And as first, Paul says in first Corinthians, in Adam all die. That means in the corporate head of Adam, we're dead. We're dead in our trespasses and our sins. But in Christ, all have been made alive. We have a corporate head in Christ, and we are we are um, in Him. We have life, and so we're in a corporate head. Angels do not have that. When they sin against God, they sin individually. And we all sin in a, as a corporate, corporate, but angels, um, and in totality, it would be one, one third of all the angels, as we find in Revelation that one third of all the, all, all the stars in heaven were swept down. And, um, I do believe that the, that number is still increasing. I don't believe that there is a, um, that the one third has already been, you know, decided upon. I still believe, uh, as someone had said that, uh, I, I think I, I, I take that, um, that opinion to myself as well, that even now there are those angels that are tempted to take on human wives, that they're looking down. This is why that there's an authority structure. That's why Women are to dress modestly, and, and First Corinthians, First um, Corinthians eleven ten, and First Timothy two nine um, to ten, because they are still under observation. And it speaks of the adornment, and I believe that there is a continuation to the allurement of angels to seek human flesh. And so I believe there is going to be more angels that are falling but that's me that's that's just conjecture um i i could be wrong i'll i'll be subject to that wrong but um nonetheless um the angels um the angels when they took on human wives they did so um 
they left the abode, as Jude said, they left the abode of heaven. They left their first estate. And they, to themselves, they um, brought upon themselves condemnation. And they are locked away in, um, they're locked away now in a place in Hades called Tartarus. So, when God established the divine institution of marriage, the full institution, He just established the divine institution of individual, individual liberty, um, the divine institution of marriage, the divine institution of family, the divine institution of, um, of the nation. When He did that, it was to to set up a system of authority, and authority is not a bad thing. And what authority does, it it puts a a um, protective um, a a hedge, let's just say hedge of protection to keep evil out. Because what we see is when we have the breakdown of divine institutions, that the evil it it leaves no barriers for evil to rush in. So when God created the divine institution of individual, marriage, family, and nation, it was to protect and to expand the human race through procreation. And um, it was to establish a system of authority which creates a boundary against the presence of evil. So these things are not in consideration um, when it comes uh, comes to the uh, resurrection, uh, this is this is in the world. This is in the dominion in which we live. These things are in consideration. These divine institutions are for again for those two things: the the uh, procreation of the human race. If I can say that, if I say that word right, procreation of the human race and the protection of it. The Sadducees. They cared less about that which they did not believe anyway. They didn't believe the resurrection. They sought to tie heavenly things, earthly things to heavenly things. Their point of contact, their, their frame of reference is worldly. So they, so they wanted to tie in what they knew of worldliness and they were unbelievers. So they had no concept of heavenly things. So they wanted to tie that with, with uh, earthly things, with, with heavenly things. So Jesus continues to take them to school. Okay, they, they think they're all, and, and we talked about it yesterday, you know, when, when unbelievers come to you, sometimes they act like they have all the answers. And when they ask you a question, like, like, it's a question they've, it's never been asked before. So Matthew twenty-two twenty-nine, nothing new on their son, folks. But Jesus answered and said to them, You are mistaken and not understanding the scriptures, nor the power of God. For the resurrection, they neither marry nor give them marriage, but they are like the angels in heaven. But regarding the resurrection of the dead, let's, let's change the subject here. You want to bring resurrection in? Let's talk about the resurrection. Have you not read what was spoken to you by God? What an insult. This is this is quite the insult. These people, these people come with with all their knowledge and with all their they profess to be wise, but they're fools. 
And the Lord does this to the Pharisees as well. And because they're the experts of law, they know this. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, by the way, um, they were more, they weren't experts of the entire scripture. They, they professed the first five books of the Bible, which is the Torah, the Pentateuch. So Jesus says, fine. If you want, if you want to discuss and you want to be the experts of the Torah, let's talk Torah. Okay. So he says, have you not read? What, he, what a condescending, what a condescending, um, statement. Every time he does this, he goes, and so, have you not read what was spoken to you? You have, you hadn't been listening. What was spoken to you by God? I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is not a God of the dead, but of the living. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, when you, when you read the, the, these three put together, it's in the same light as to bring you to the attention of the covenant. Um, the covenant, God, God appeared to these three directly. Indirectly, I mean either directly face to face with Abraham in dreams with, uh, in appearance to Isaac and dreams of Jacob. Well, actually Jacob really wrestled with him, but the Lord dealt with these, these patriarchs directly. You know, just like in the beginning, I believe there was a lot of direct, um, direct connection of angels with, with the human race as the human race was, was, was in its baby stages beginning. I believe there was a lot of, of angelic, um, interaction at that point. But here it is that Jesus, uh, uh, the pre-incarnate Christ, takes takes um, special attention to three people: Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Throughout the Bible, when you see the um, the the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, these are the these are the fathers. These are the forefathers of the of Israel. They they are the they are the very I guess you call pillars, and when but and in the Old Testament and and there when you can label the most righteous if you want to put up the most righteous you would you would you would probably say Abraham yeah but you'd say Noah and Enoch of course and you put um, you would have to put Joseph in there Joseph. Oh, Joseph, what a spiritual life that he had, a godly life. But it doesn't say that God of Abraham, Isaac, uh, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. Why is Joseph left out? Because the covenant was not established with Joseph. He, he, he was in that covenant, but directly God connected with these three patriarchs. Okay? And, um, the three are the ones whom God established an unconditional covenant with regarding the people and the nation of Israel. So God appeared to Abraham. God also appeared to Isaac. God also appeared to Jacob. 
And three received a covenant from God that includes three things. Land, seed, and blessing. Let's look at Genesis 12, 1 through 3. Now, the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country, and from your relatives, and from your father's house, to the land which I will show you. Look at, uh, well, we'll get there. Um, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and so you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those that bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. Two things. What are the two things that jump out at you? Repetitive language. When you're studying the Bible, look at repetition. Repetition in the words. Look at this. Uh, what's, what's that, what, what pops out at you, Beck? Huh? I will, uh, just the two words. I will. I will. So you've got, it goes, I will. You got an I will there. I didn't count them up, but, um, you can. You got an I will there. You got the I will there. Uh, you got an I will down there. That's four of them I see right off. Um, and then you all the families of So you got at least four I wills, maybe five up there. Four or five I will. But let's look at another word that pops out out there. Another word that, that seems to pop out. I will show you. And I will bless you. And make your name great. And so you, and and those who curse you, and in you all the families of the earth are blessed. So two things: I will, and you. This is a personal covenant between God and Abraham, and it will be a personal covenant between God um, and Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and those who who are their progeny, and there. So, uh, in Genesis, what, what, let's go on to talk about Isaac in, in Genesis seventeen nineteen. But God said, no, but Sarah, your wife, will bear you a son. And you shall call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him. For an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. And then after that, there will be... There will be Jacob. And remember, Jacob, he wrestled with the Lord. Uh, uh, yeah, he wrestled with the Lord, and he was given a new name. But even prior to that, at Bethel, in the dream, remember uh, remember Jacob's ladder, and as they say, the, and the Lord established there, directly established the covenant with him. So, Hebrews 11, 8 to 10. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out of the place which he was to receive for inheritance. And he, and look at this, that he was to receive an inheritance. Not his people, but he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he lived as an alien. In the land of promise. Again, look at the repetition of the he. As in a foreign land dwelling in the tents of Isaac, uh, with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise they were looking for. Now, what was he looking for? 
For he was looking for a city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And it goes on faith of Sarah. So let's look at this. So he was looking for a city and he was looking for an inheritance. And, you know, he was, it wasn't just for his progeny. It wasn't just for a nation that had him. So poor Abraham, because did Abraham die? Yes, Abraham died. Abraham, Abraham was buried in Machpelah with his wife. Yes, he died. So poor Abraham. How misguided must he have been? God, God lied to him. He was looking for this and he died. Never to see this in his lifetime. He was, he died. He was buried in Machpelah. So with that end of story, Abraham's dead. Think about it. What good is any promise in this lifetime if you're not going to be around to enjoy it? You know, yeah. The Lord said, I, I promise you all these riches and, you know, I, I promise you bank account and a nice house and everything. Oh, yeah, by the way, uh, it's not going to be in your life and you're going to die. Really? So I get it. You know, I would appreciate for my kids and my grandkids and my progeny to be prosperous in the Lord. I do want that. But I also want to be around to enjoy the promises. Yeah, I'm a little selfish that way. So, lesson. Is this a lesson on eat, drink, and be merry today for tomorrow you may die? You better enjoy your blessings today. How foolish is it to believe in the promise of God um, for us who believe that we're not going to be enjoy, around to joy and enjoy them? That is, if you do not regard the resurrection. That's regard. It's so sad. It's so sad that we hold death. We come to funerals, and, and I see it in, in, in the funerals that I go to, and the, the way we speak of death, and, and, the way, and, and the way the flesh, really. And I'm not saying this for all of us, because even me, because when, when I lost my brother, uh, when I lost my brother Donald, and Pop, and, and Brian, yes, there is that, there is that, that moment that, the heart is just wrenched out of the body. Hey, there, there is the mourning. There is the, because this is not the way it's supposed to be. And, and the flesh immediately, the flesh part, you have to change your perspective. You, 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 there's those times for tears, but at some point you have to break out of how the, how you see things according to the world in the flesh and see it as in regards to the promise and the hope of the resurrection. That this, for our, our departure, our, our, our departure from one another is only temporary state. It's like one getting on a bus and say, well, I'll see you. And Becky, you've been, been enough time to see me getting on the road and, um, and leaving for deployment and stuff. And, um, and okay, he's going to be back. Same thing in our, spiritually speaking, and, and in the resurrection. It's a temporary status. Hebrews eleven thirteen and seventeen. All the all these died in faith without receiving the promises. I say, I, let me read that again. All these died in faith without receiving the promises, 
were that they believe in vain. But having seen them, having welcomed them from a distance, and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the land, because they died without that land belonging to them yet, and, uh, and their progenies. For those who say such things, make it clear. Let me sit back up there again. Did I jump up too far? 11, 13 through 17. Yeah. All, all these died in faith without receiving the promises, but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles to the earth. For those who say such things, make it clear that they're seeking a country of their own. And indeed, if they had been thinking of a country from which they went out, they would have the opportunity to return. But as it is, they desired a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to, to be called their God, for he prepared a city for them. For them. Listen, not for the people, but for them. For you and I. We want all of our blessings to be earthly blessings. We want, we say that we have a, we want a house, a car, and we say, look how God has blessed us. God has blessed each of us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. And to receive that, we don't die to receive them. In a sense that if we die, we don't receive them. And in the perspective that we're thinking about. Dying and going to grave and end of story. No, we live. Though we die, we live to receive the promises of God. But faith, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered Isaac. And he who received the promises was offering up his only begotten son. So, was there a doctrine of resurrection in the Old Testament? You betcha. You betcha. Abraham believed. Genesis chapter 22, he believed in the resurrection, that there was going to be a resurrection. I don't know if there's an example prior to that, but certainly in Genesis 22, when, when Abraham takes his son to the mountain to be sacrificed, he tells his servants, you stay here with the donkeys, with me and the boy, me and the lads going up, and we will return. Abraham knew that he was going up to sacrifice in obedience to what God said. He'll offer his one and only son up as a sacrifice. But did Abraham say, and we will return? Why did Abraham say we will return? Well, because I believe Abraham believed that that they were going to return. And then, um, and then, why was it a big deal for Abraham to be buried in the land? First of all, Abraham wouldn't leave the land. He sent his servant out of the land to find a bride for his son Isaac. He didn't go himself, even though it was so important, because Abraham was. I think Abraham was deeply afraid that he might die outside the land. He's an old man now. But that's just conjecture on my part, but but I do know this. Um, Abraham made it a big deal where he would be buried. And that, and he bought land, he bought a cave within the land, the, the cave of Machpelah, to bury his wife. And Abraham is buried there with his wife Sarah. And then 
Later on, Jacob made it a big deal. Jacob in Egypt. But he he made sure that they would take his body back. And Joseph made sure that they would take his body back into the land to bury him with the father, with uh, with his father and with his uh, with his grandfather, with his Isaac was buried. Okay, let me go with this. Sarah's buried, or Abraham's buried with Sarah in that cave. Isaac is buried with Rebekah in that cave. Jacob makes a big deal that he would be buried with who? Who would Jacob be married with? Leah. He would be buried with Leah. Now, that's another story that I'll get. I think that's a love story. I think that's a love story in the shadow, but another story I'll get. But he's buried there with it. And Joseph. Joseph, Joseph made them promise that they would take his bones back when they left the land. That they would take his bones back and bury him in in the cave of Machpelah, in the land. To bury, well, I don't know, cave of Machpelah, but buried in the land. Why? Why was it so important? I say it because it was the anticipation of the resurrection. With, with the resurrection, the kings, the kings of Israel, the Bad kings and the good kings, they, they're going to rise up again. Solomon's going to be, David's going to be sitting on the throne. Um, Jesus Christ is the Lord, King of kings, the Lord of lords. And in this, and in the kingdom, these kings, uh, are going to rise up again. So, like Moses, like Moses and like Elisha, who showed up on the Mount of Transfiguration, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are somewhere very much alive. And Matthew, Matthew 22, 33 says, When the crowds heard this, they were astonished by his teaching. Um, they were excited. This, this was excitement to them. This was great doctrine for them. They enjoyed hearing it because they had loved ones who were dead. And they knew that some, and this teaching reminded them that one day there is going to be a resurrection and they're going to be rise up. They're going to be reunited with their, their loved ones. And, and, um, so, and are you not excited? I'm certainly excited about the promises because the promises that, that the scripture had that has no boundaries of time. And we will receive those promises. Not only will we receive, not only will we, we be reunited with our loved ones. By the way, they're, by the way, when we're, when we are united, we are united as a resurrected body. We are not married. We are, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're not there. That, that marital relationship was in the boundaries of time. But we're, we're beyond that time now, that we are one body in Christ. And, um, so I'm excited and I hope you are. And I'll just finish off with this that, um, uh, Paul writes, Paul writes, oh, let me, let me read this in 1 Corinthians 15, 12 through 19. Now, if Christ, Christ is preached that, uh, if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, and how do some among you say that there is no resurrection from the dead? But if there is no resurrection from the dead, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, even our preaching is in vain. Your faith is in vain. 
Moreover, we are even found to be false witnesses of God because we testify against God that He raised Christ from whom He did not raise. In fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, even Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. Then those also, having fallen asleep in Christ, have perished. If we have hoped in Christ in life only, we are of all men most pity. Father in heaven, thank you for this opportunity this morning. Having come together in fellowship in your word, I pray, Heavenly Father, that our hope isn't within this world. That we look through the spiritual eyes and the truth of Bible doctrine, of the resurrection, knowing that this this isn't all. That all the promises and everything that has been promised and to us through the Word of God is still very much in the bank account, our spiritual bank account. And one day we will depart from this body and we will receive our new bodies, bodies in glory. Where we will, we will come face to face with our Lord Jesus Christ in a place of no more sorrow, no more tears, old things having passed away. And we look very much for, to that. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Alright, it's another fine day in the Lord. Keep your armor on. Keep fighting a good fight of faith. Lord willing, Spirit guide, and remember, prayer meeting tonight at 7 p.m. If you have any prayers, go ahead and give me an email at rslawbeck at gmail.com. Be glad to include them. If you're in the neighborhood, please come by. We pray from 6 o'clock to 7 o'clock. We'd hope to see you there. So until then, stay motivated, Lord. Keep your armor on. Keep fighting a good fight of faith. Thank you for joining us. You can hear this message again, as well as previous lessons, and get notes by visiting us online at www.gchapel.org.